laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. With that, will you pray with me? Father God, we are thankful for your very word that goes through and and pierces right to our heart, Lord. And causes rejoicing, causes us to be contrite in spirit, Lord, and causes us to return to you. Father God, I'm thankful for the body of Christ and the gathering that we have today. I'm thankful for our pastor. I pray that you empower him with your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us, Lord, and empower us to hear what you have for us today, that we may be about our Father's business in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, as we uh, started this uh, two-week intermission on the Gospel of Luke, taking a look at prayer, there was, uh, as I was studying, looking for what scripture, what scripture do I want to be able to share that really is the heart of what I want for us as our testimony for prayer, and so I picked the 116th Psalm. If you remember Psalm 116, verse 1, he says, I love the Lord. Why? Because he hears me. He's listening. It's an important testimony for our prayer lives. God hears me. He has inclined his ear toward me. He wants to know. In fact, he's going to tell us over and over again throughout Scripture how he wants to know. So I will call on him as long as I live. I hope that's our heart for prayer. I'll call on him as long as I live. Because we need him. And it is a proclamation of our faith in God when we take the time to pray. When we say before the Lord, I... I will call upon you. I need you, God. The psalmist declares that the snares of death encompassed him. Things surrounded him, had him down. Depressed, dark. The 23rd Psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. It gets personal there. You are here with me. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. They weren't in that trial alone, were they? Nope. Jesus Christ was there with him. He said, So I was had death encompassed around me, the pangs of Sheol, the grave, hell. The pangs of Sheol lay hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Anybody ever get Anxious over life? Oh, I was suffering distress and anguish. So, so what did the psalmist do? 
So I called on the name of the Lord. Paul would write in Romans, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. So I called on His name, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Deliver me. Our struggle most of the time is we have a lot of different ideas of what deliver is. And sometimes our ideas aren't the same as the Lord's. But listen to what the psalmist says about him. Gracious is the Lord. He's righteous. He's graceful. He's good. He's right. And he's merciful. Our God preserves the simple. The answers aren't as complex as we think. The psalmist said, for when I was low... He saved me. When I was down, he's there to pick me up. And then the psalmist declares something to his own soul. Return, O my soul, to your rest. Stop being so anxious. You ever have to tell yourself that more than once? Stop being so anxious. Stop being so worried. Return, my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. God is good. And I'm a testimony of his goodness. The Lord has dealt bountifully with you. How? Verse 8. For you have delivered my soul from death. You brought my soul from that place where it was so depressed. Dark. You saved my eyes from tears. My feet from stumbling. For what purpose? So I could walk with the Lord in the land of the living. I hope this is something that we can develop as our attitude toward prayer. Because really, it's a oxymoron. You guys know what that is, right? Oxymorons? Ox- I try not to ever be an oxymoron. <laughs> Something that doesn't make any sense, right? A Christian who doesn't pray. But prayerlessness is a problem in the church. It's a problem. And so to combat that problem, I gave us a challenge last week. You remember, I I spoke a little bit about it when we were praying for our nation. And that was set a time and place for prayer. It's your schedule. I promise you have room for it. Set a time and place for prayer. Then I asked you, To listen before you speak. Now, that confused some people. Let me simplify it. Read your Bible before you pray. How's that? Yeah, we get that one? Read your Bible before you pray. God may want to talk to you. And that's how He does it. Through His Word. We spend time in His Word. So listen before you speak. Before you go before the Lord in prayer. Come before the Lord in His Word. The third thing I asked you to do was prioritize your prayer. Here's where we struggle. Prioritize your prayer. Make spiritual uh, preeminent. Give it the priority. Give the spiritual issues priority and then physical. Not saying God doesn't care about our physical issues. He does. But if we're honest, most of our prayer is wrought with our physical needs. No? What's being neglected 
is our spiritual ones. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Then I encourage you, pray spontaneously. Sometimes somebody's going to ask you to pray for them. What, how do we want to respond? All right, let's pray. Right? We don't have to be something special. Let's pray right now. If the Lord lays something on your heart, maybe you're, you're not thinking about anything, and you turn on the news, and something comes up on the news, and you think to yourself, man, that's something I should, I should be in prayer about. Then shut off the news and pray. Pray spontaneous. You can set up a time to pray. That doesn't mean you can't pray any other time. Are we okay? So we can pray all the time. The next thing I wanted to encourage you in is this. You pray for anything that is on your heart. And I mean anything. Don't you let somebody tell you you can't pray for that. You just tell them, shh. I can lay and bring all my cares before my Lord. If I care about it, He cares about it, I can bring it. If Don't think something's too big for God. And don't think something's too small. You literally, I want you literally to pray for anything. And here's something I want you to understand. And here's something we don't always get. Well, I'm going to try to, to grind this in us today. Your prayer is not wasted. What if God didn't answer my prayer the way I prayed it? Your prayer is not wasted. It's not wasted. Look, this is the other struggle, guys. Sometimes we think our tears are. But God's word says your tears are never wasted. Do you know that the Lord declares he knows every single time you couldn't sleep? The Word of God declares, God says, I know every time you've tossed in your bed. He says, I have the number of tears you've cried. Your tears matter to God. And so do your prayers. The ones you did right, and the ones maybe weren't so right. Why? Because what matters most to God is this part. You're talking to Him. Prayer, first and foremost, is communication with the Lord. The last thing I challenged you about was this. Pray again. And if you didn't get it, or it didn't work out like you want, what am I going to say? Pray again. And, And what if it's still not? Pray again. This rule is always this. Pray again. And when you can't pray anymore about that, because that is all over, you just keep in mind, you have now shown faithfulness to God by being willing to pray again. Being faithful to God by praying again. Consistently bringing our needs and desires before the Lord. So, this was the challenge we gave last week. This week... I'm going to focus in a, a couple of areas where we may struggle and, and then uh, hopefully answer some questions. Uh, well, at least I'm going to answer my questions at the end and I'm going to imply that they're your questions too. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm just throwing you guys under the bus with me. So the first thing we want to talk about this morning then is which is more real, the spiritual or the physical? Which is more, or is one more real than the other? 
See, most of our lives, we live like the physical matters. Everybody understands gravity doesn't take a day off? Right? If gravity's here today, it'll be here tomorrow? Yeah, if I jump off the top of my house today, the same thing will happen today that will happen if I do it tomorrow? Right? Physical laws? Do you know that there are spiritual laws that are just as factual? But in our lives, so often we focus on the physical. We focus on the physical and we neglect the spiritual. As though somehow the spiritual is less real. Physical is real, and we get that. But we struggle with the idea that spiritual laws are real as well. One of the spiritual laws that I just really want us to to grasp with, with this morning, and not by any means is it the only, but... But it works well for what we're going to discuss. That is that the Bible teaches us that there are two roads for life. Two spiritual roads for life. One leads to life. The other leads to destruction. Only two. Not 999. The Bible declares if you walk the path of wisdom... That path of wisdom leads to life. If you walk the path of the fool, the path of the fool leads to destruction. Spiritual rule. If I'm on that road, doesn't matter what I think, where that road takes me is where that road will take me. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15. Listen to how the Lord lays it out for His people. He says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, which are, how do we keep them? Listen to what he says. By loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping slash treasuring his commandments, his statutes, his rules, You shall live and multiply. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Path, two roads, right? Path of life. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and to serve them, then I declare to you today that you will surely perish. You will not live long in the land that you are going to over the Jordan to enter and possess. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you two roads, life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, what's he say? Choose life. You walk any road you want. But here's a spiritual law. If you walk the road of death, then death is what you will find. If you walk the road of life, Life is what you will find. Spiritual law. Spiritual law laid out. Choose life so that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days. That you may dwell in the land of the Lord, sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Sworn to them. He's giving to them and laying out for them a future and a hope. What's their future? Love the Lord. 
Follow Him. Walk in His ways. When Jesus came, what did He say? He said, come do what? Follow me, right? Come follow me. So you can what? Walk where He's walking, right? He said, if any of you labor and are heavy laden, He said, come unto me and learn from me. Why? Because He wants to show us how to walk the road. Which one? Life or destruction? He wants to show us to walk the road of life. So if I walk the road of destruction, when I get to the end of that road, I can't shake my fist at God. Who chose the road? I did. Did God warn me? Yeah, did He tell me? Where does this road lead? This road leads to destruction. Now, listen, this is a spiritual law. But here's what Hosea 6.6 says. What is it that God is looking for from us? Is it just to control how we walk or how we live? Hosea 6.6, God says, For I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. God wants your loyal love. Number two, for I desire the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God wants your faithful love and He wants you to know Him. And when that's your pursuit, you are walking the road of life. Samuel said it this way. Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As he does in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to, what's it say? Listen than the fat ram. To listen. To be loyal before God. And to listen. These are spiritual realities that God wants his people to walk in. But if we're honest, most of the time our prayers focus on my new job, a a better house, to be able to pay my bills, sickness or health or or whatever things we're struggling. How many times do our prayers circle around loving God more, knowing Him, understanding Him, comprehending Him? How many times when you were in pursuit, husbands, of your wives... Wives of your husbands. How many times when you were in pursuit, did you tell the one you pursued, man, I just want your faithful love. Be faithful to me. How many times would you say, I just want you to know me like I want to know you. Why isn't that... A normal relationship? I mean, isn't, isn't that really what the pursuit is all about? And so, when we come before the Lord and we say that, that our life with Christ ought to be a relationship, then that's a pursuit, a pursuit of being faithful to God. A pursuit of wanting to know Him. My wife knows me better than anybody else. She knows my looks. She knows my smirks. She knows uh, what every sigh means. And I know her. When we pray, 
do we ever pray that we'd know God that way? Because Paul tells us to. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, guys, just look at it with me. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Here's his prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in what? In the knowledge of him. One of the first things he prays for, God would give you the spirit of wisdom. But why is God given the spirit of wisdom? To reveal the knowledge of God. To reveal to you the knowledge of God. That you would know God more. So Paul says, I I am praying for you all the time. I'm always giving thanks for you. And when I pray for you, I'm asking that God would give you wisdom in the revelation revealing the knowledge of God to you. That you would know God more. This was Paul's prayer for the church. But that's not all he said. He goes on in verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. The eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That the eyes of your heart, that your understanding would be open. And your understanding would be open to what? The hope that's in you. What's the hope that's in you? Life. What road you on? Where's that road end? Where does it come to? Praying that you would know the hope that in, into which he has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? He's praying that you would understand your inheritance. What is your inheritance? What is it that you are inheriting from God? What is the treasure that awaits you? So often when we think about heaven, we think about our loved ones who have gone before, people who are there. Is that my treasure? Is that the inheritance that God has for me? When we look at the children of Israel, we we want to understand the children of Israel. Levi, the tribe of Levi, had no inheritance. How come? Because God was their treasure. They're the priesthood. Scripture says for a believer, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What's our treasure? Jesus is. What is he? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't pray that you'll be able to fake it until you make it. What's he pray? He says, I pray that you'll understand the value of your inheritance, that you'll know what's waiting for you is Jesus, and you'll understand how valuable that is. This is... A prayer for the spiritual needs of the people. I'm not saying Paul didn't pray for other stuff too. He did. And that's okay. But if we're honest, most of the time, that's all my prayers are. The physical needs. The physical struggles. They're real and we're supposed to pray about them. But my spiritual need is real also. And I can't ignore it. My spiritual need is important. Just like gravity. If I jump, I fall. If I ignore my spiritual needs, I'm setting myself up for just as big a tragedy as if I ignored the physical ones. So I want to know you, God. I want to understand the hope that is in me. 
I want to understand the value of my inheritance. And then finally, look what he says. He says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So he wants the eyes of our heart, our understanding to be open, so we understand our hope, so that we understand our inheritance, and so that we understand what kind of power you have. Do we understand that? When Jesus had gone through a, a place and the people had rejected him and cast him out, you guys remember... The, the Sons of Thunder were there. I used to joke, that was the first motorcycle gang, right? The Sons of Thunder, John and his brother. So we have John and James gathered together saying to the Lord, Lord, shall we call down fire to, eat, to swallow all these people up? And what is it? The Lord said to him, you do not know the spirit that is in you. Paul says, I pray for the church, I pray for you, that you'll know the incredible power of God that is in you, that's at work in you. This is Paul's prayer, right? This is how Paul is praying for the church. And I guess my point is this ought to be a model for us. It ought to be a model for us to focus on the spiritual so that I can not allow my spiritual life to be weak and consistently struggling with why doesn't the Lord hear me for my physical desires? To go before the Lord for our spiritual issues. And I shared with you last time, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Another prayer of Paul. Just giving you the idea. What does spiritual prayer look like? What does praying for our spiritual needs look like? He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. What's that, the posture of? That's prayer, right? Right? Do we understand what he's saying? I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he would grant to you. I'm praying that God according to the riches of His glory, would grant you to have strength, to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner man. Paul says, I'm praying that you will be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. Where's most of our battles fought? You ever fight a battle with yourself? I'm not the only one, right? So I, I, sometimes I worry if I'm schizophrenic. So I fight battles with me. Now how do I, how is the inner man, the new creation created by Christ Jesus in my life, how is the new man, that new creation, how does he win? Well, how about if we spend time praying spiritually, Lord, strengthen me with the power of your Holy Spirit in my inner man. What if we did that? How's things look different? What changes? What changes if we pray spiritually for the power of His Spirit in our inner man? But that's not all He prays for. Look, verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
He prays that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying for the believers and for the church to have a deeper faith in Christ in their life. That Christ is in you. <laughs> that your strength, that your faith is strengthened. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. Anybody need to be rooted and grounded in love? I don't have a hard time being rooted and grounded in vengeance. I don't have a hard time being rooted and grounded in anger or frustration. I don't have a hard time being rooted and grounded in disappointment. But I do have a hard time being rooted and grounded in love. Because that's how I want to respond to my situation. Isn't that how we want to respond? How do you want to respond when, when the world comes knocking at your door? How do you want to respond? I want to respond the way God wants me to respond. And I don't always know what that is. So I want to be rooted and grounded in love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, God is love. I want to be able to reflect that characteristic. Not what the world says it is. What God says it is. I want to be rooted and grounded in love. So Paul is praying that they would be rooted and grounded in love. Look at verse 18. And that they may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He's praying that each part of the body of Christ, would know the love of God, would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Do you know it? Do you, do you know? What is it that God was crying out to Hosea? I just want you to be faithful to me. And I want you to know me. Do you know the love of God? Do you know it? Do you know the love of God like you know the love of, a, of another person? Like, like the, the love of a husband or a wife or a father or a mother or, or a brother or a sister or someone else. Do you, do you know God's love like you know a physical love by somebody in the world? Because if you don't, you're missing out on a big chunk of life. That's why we think the one we love on earth is more valuable than the one we love in heaven. Because we don't know him. We don't know them the same way that we know those who we love here. And finally, that they may be filled with the fullness of God. Are you full? This is a, two examples of praying spiritually. Praying spiritually. Two paths. Path of life. Path of destruction. Are you praying spiritually to walk the path that brings life? To understand the path of life. The next thing I want us to consider is the fact that the word calls us again to be persistent. Luke 18.1 says that the Lord told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. What's the key to not losing heart? Pray. Are you praying? Have you set aside a time where you... Go after the Lord? Are you focused on the spiritual things like we just talked about? So that your spirit is strengthened just like the needs of your flesh are, are met? 
Or are we neglecting one over the other and struggling as a result? The Lord told a parable to teach us that laziness has to be guarded against and persistence has to be fostered. Because sometimes prayer doesn't work out like we ought or like we think it ought. And if we're painfully honest with one another, then we stop praying. Nothing distinguishes a child of God more intently, more clearly than prayer. If I told you that I was married to Kathy, but you never saw me talk to her, we never were in the same car, never lived in the same house, would you believe it? You'd say, well, I don't think that word means what you think it means, right? But there's a thing we expect when we talk about relationships, right? If I say I'm married to my wife, then you should expect me to treat her well, shouldn't you? And if I don't, you should be disappointed, shouldn't you? See, I'm earning points today. She's going to tell me how proud she is of me. <laughs> she says now, she's going to say, now you can preach it. I want to see you do it, right? <laughs> we want to pray persistently. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus looking to the disciples said, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he has said, uh, will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. When we look at verses like this, and then this is the question I told you I was going to put on you guys. Did God break his promise? He said, if I pray and believe, I have what I prayed for. I will receive what I have prayed for. I hope and encourage you that you'll utilize that same promise this next week when you pray over the spiritual things that we've talked about. But let's face it, we we pray about things and we say, it didn't happen. What, What does it mean when God says no? What's going on? Many times in my 20 plus years of ministry, I have heard this. I prayed for my husband or or my wife to be healed. But God let him die. I'm so mad at God. He broke his promise. 20 years of ministry, I'd be a wealthy man if I got a dollar every time. And if most of us are honest in this room, we would say, I've struggled with that. I wouldn't struggle with it if God's word didn't say, if you ask and believe, you'll receive. And I can tell you, I have asked and believed. So what happened? Why didn't it happen? Why didn't it come together like the word of God says? So I'm going to encourage you in a couple of things, hopefully as we wrap this part up. The very first place I start when I am praying and what I am praying about is not happening. I'm going to do what we did this morning. I'm going to examine myself first. First place I'm going to start is with me. 
Psalm 26, 2 says, Prove me, O Lord. Try me. Test my heart and my mind. I, sometimes I need God to check me. We'll make sure I'm not sideways, right? In Psalm 139, verse 23, the psalmist writes, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. What road do I want to walk? <clears throat> I want to walk a life. So the first place I'm going to start, if, if prayer doesn't seem to be working out, is me. Okay, God, there are certain things that God's Word tells me can, can stump my prayer. There are certain things. I'm going, to, I'm going to consider sin. The psalmist declared in Psalm 66, 18, If I cherish iniquity in my heart, God will not listen. If I am glorifying my sin... Holding on to my sin, saying, I love my sin. God says, I don't hear you. In Isaiah chapter 1, the Lord says, Stop bringing me offerings, stop offering sacrifices, and stop lifting your hands to me in prayer with blood all over them. God says, Wash your hands. The next part, next verse in, in Isaiah is Isaiah 18. Come, let us reason together. What? For though your sins are as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Is it hard to find forgiveness from God? No. It's not hard. So I look at myself and I'm like, man, have I just been latching on to some sin in my life and celebrating some sin instead of confessing it? So I'm going to examine myself, right? Lord, is this where I'm at? The next thing I'm going to consider is faith. Right? James 1, 5 through 8 says, If anyone lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. No doubting, for the one who doubts is like a, a wave of the sea driven and tossed. That person must not suppose he will receive what? Anything. So I'm examining myself, right? First, am I, am I holding on to sin? Hey, that's, that, it's not hard. I can confess. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us, right? I can be set free of that. Don't hold on to your sin. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consider, am I, am I doubting? Am I, am I struggling in my faith? Is that hard to handle? Let me tell you, it's not hard to handle because I know a father who stood before Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but what? Help my unbelief. What did God do for his son? Healed him. Does that sound complicated to you? It doesn't sound complicated to me. What makes it complicated is me pretending it's not there. <clears throat> so I'm going to examine myself. Do I believe? Am I doubting? Do I trust you, God? If I'm struggling with trusting God, I'm going to ask God, help me, God. Right? That goes back to our spiritual prayers, doesn't it? For our spiritual needs? Yes? God, help me. God, strengthen me. I'm going to look at my lack of faith. Next, I'm going to look at my motives. Are my motives selfish? James 4.3 you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So if I'm praying and it's not happening, I'm just going by what the Bible says, guys. Just looking at the Bible. If I pray and it's not happening, then I look at myself, God, are my, are my, is my ambition in the way here? Am I in the way? Is this selfish? Is this just about me? Self-examination. That's what we do with friends, isn't it? Isn't that okay to do with friends? Isn't that okay? We should be able to do that with the Lord, right? The greatest treasure in all the earth. 
The last one that I consider personally is Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 kind of goes hand in hand with Isaiah 1. Isaiah 58, verse 6. You can read the whole chapter. I I didn't have time this morning to to put all that together. But the part I wanted to focus on began in verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free. To break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the homeless poor inside your house? When you see the naked, to cover him. And do not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn. And your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Make your bones strong. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. So when I'm thinking about myself, I've got a bad attitude toward the poor. Do I have a bad attitude toward the hungry? Do I care about the oppressed? Do those things matter to me? Because Isaiah 58 says, look, if you want God to hear, you've got to open up your ears. Are you listening? Are you merciful? Are you compassionate? Do you hear the cries? So before I shake a fist at God, I step back and I look at these things and I say, are these things hindering my prayers? And then I confess and go, right? So I don't think these things are insurmountable, but it does, it does require me to be honest with who I am and what's going on in my life and And it will drive me, listen, it will drive me, please hear, it will drive me to pray spiritually for myself. To pray to know Him. To love what He loves. To hate what He hates. It helps me stay in line with God. Then what do I do? Then, prayer still isn't answered. Then I trust God. Here's what the word says. Whenever we make a theological statement about something, we want to take into consideration the entire word of God. Yes? We don't just do one verse. Not a Calvary Chapel Buell. So we're going to say it's got to be in agreement with the whole word. right? The whole counsel of God. That's what Paul declared. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Psalm 84.11, For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Will God withhold any good thing from you? 
No. So if God says no, what does it mean? It wasn't good. Who knows better, you or God? I struggle with that one, if I'm honest. I'm pretty sure I know better. Matthew 7.11 says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who do what? Ask Him. So these verses imply that God gives good things to those who ask. Right? Now let me ask you, what if I ask for a serpent? Will He give me one? Do we ever consider the other side of the prayer? If you being good, what if your son asks you for a piece of bread, you're not going to give him a stone. If he asks you for an egg, you're not going to give him a scorpion, a serpent. So what if when I'm praying, and I'm praying over physical needs, and what I'm praying for is a serpent? Well, should God give it to me? Well, the scripture says, If whatever I ask for and I believe for, I should receive it. But that's going to then fall in, has to fall in line with God saying, I'm only going to give you what? Good things. How can this be a bad thing, God? How can it be a bad thing to cure this cancer? How can it be a bad thing to heal this illness? How can it be a bad thing not to take away his autism? Think about how many people will glorify you. Think of the stories that will share, the witnessing that will go out. God, how can it not be a good thing? I'm here to tell you, praying for my son's autism to go away was me asking for a snake. And God loves me enough to say, no. No. I'm not going to give you something that's not good. I'm not going to give you that. This tries our faith, doesn't it? Let's be honest. This is the number one thing that tries our faith. If I thought it was better for my son to have autism, I would have prayed, give him autism. But I was pretty sure it's better for him not to have it. If I thought it was better for someone to have cancer, I would have prayed that they got cancer. But, but I'm pretty sure it's better for them not to have cancer. So we come before the Lord and we say, I ask for healing. <clears throat> I ask for a job. I ask you to fix my marriage. And God says, you're asking for a snake. I'm not going to give it to you. My, thio- my theology, guys, God only gives good things to his children, period. That means a child grows up with autism. That means a couple who doesn't have any children still doesn't have any children. Sometimes that means a marriage still breaks. Sometimes that means someone we love dies. But when we ask, our prayers aren't wasted. I don't know what's good or not good. 
But I will choose to trust God. I do want to challenge you to look at this. Death is the finish line. I had a friend once. Ran a long, hard race. And I wonder. I wonder when they crossed the finish line. If it would have been good for them. For me to say. Start that again. Go back to the beginning. You're not done running. Get back out there and do another marathon. I'm going to tell you if, you, if you do that to me, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> I become instantly cranky when running is involved. <laughs> I, de- I developed that in the Marine Corps. When it's over, it's over. Do we think of death that way? Or do we just think about how it affects us? Do we think about it like my brother or sister, my loved one, my friend, my father, my mother? They're finishing their race. Oh yeah, I miss them. But do you believe the promises of God? Then nobody's lost. We didn't lose nobody. They crossed the finish line. They got the treasure. Who am I to take that away from them? God said, I will withhold no what? Good thing. Is it a good thing to see Jesus face to face? <laughs> is, is that not the best thing? Can we see, can we begin to comprehend the truth of these things? Jesus is our inheritance. He is the prize. He's my greatest treasure. Can I deny that from somebody else? Now, I don't know which is better. God healing and someone being able to bear witness to that and other people getting saved or God taking a sweet brother or sister home. But I know the word of God declares that to God, it is glorious the death of his saints. Why? Because I don't have to live across a chasm from them anymore. God says, now they're with me. So to the Lord, God sees death different than you and I. Yeah? God sees it different than you or I do. John 15, 7, last verse, and we'll pray. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I think that's a full-orbed biblical statement. Abide in me, I abide in you, ask whatever you want. Ask whatever you want. The Word of God declares that if, if I treasure the Lord in my heart, He'll give me the desires of my heart. It hinges on the first part, right? Is God the treasure of my heart? Then don't sweat it. Ask for what you want. When people come to me and say, Jackie, I have a question. I wanted to talk to you about whether I should do this or that. I usually tell them, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? And if they say yes, then I, it's simple. Counseling is simple. You ready? If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, do what you want. It'll be okay. That's what the Bible says. If you don't love the Lord with all your heart, add that to your prayer list as you're praying spiritually. Yes? For our spiritual needs so that we can say, I, want to, I can do what I want because I love God. 
And I want that expressed in my life. Last thing I wanted to share, it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to be frustrated or upset. Those who abide in Christ and have Christ's words abiding in them may ask what they wish and it will be done for them. What does that life look like? Read your Bible. It's all over in there. Read the book of Acts. Read the Old Testament. Read Hebrews 11 and look at the the hall of faith. Think about our church history. Talk about the David Brainerds and Adiram Judsons and George Mueller and Hudson Taylors and all the men of faith from the past. If whatever you ask in prayer hasn't happened yet, if you haven't reached that place, don't assume it can't or you won't. Don't give up. Listen, it's an invitation to you to come further up and further in. It's a call from God to say to you, focus on the spiritual. Get yourself where you need to be. Don't neglect these things that are so vital and so important. The church suffers today for lack of prayer. God's people stop praying because they don't understand what prayer is all about. I hope that at least these last couple of Sundays have tickled your fancy so that you want to know. Because what I want you to understand, you can ask for whatever you want. But you've got to be right with the Lord. And He'll give it. But you've got to be right with the Lord. Don't deny the spiritual reality to focus on the physical. Focus on the spiritual reality and let God take care of the physical. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you this morning, Lord, and we are being called by you at this time to have a heart that goes back to the things that needs to go back to, that, that we find that place where we first began, Lord, where we first introduced to you, where our desire was to know you, to love you, to understand you. God, we need the spiritual realities echoing in our life so that we can have the wisdom that we need to have to pray as we ought to pray. God, I'm thankful that your word declares in Romans chapter 8, even when we don't pray right, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings and utterings that cannot be understood. God, none of our prayers are wasted. You want your people to pray. You want your people to talk to you, to seek your face, to be faithful to you. To come up, not be afraid, to ask for whatever is on their heart because their heart is firmly held in your hands, God. For a man who has found in Jesus Christ the treasure of his life will have in his heart the desires that God wants to bring forth in power. And there's nothing you can't do, God. And there's things I think that you want to do, but we, your people, are we're weak and we're bickering and we're focused on some of the wrong things, God. And you're calling us. You're saying, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, learn from me. Watch how I walked. Look at what I did. I want you to be able to do these same things, but there's not a shortcut. I can't get you from A to Z. The rest of the letters are in between. 
focus on the spiritual realities and watch God work in power in our lives. Watch God deliver. So that the prayer of the psalmist can be our prayer. I love you, God, because you are always listening to me. You hear my cry. God, I pray we, your people, would be a people of prayer. That this, your house, would be a house of prayer. That we would be committed to the realities that you call us to so that you would be glorified and magnified and we could become the men and women that you want us to be. That you give us victory over those times when our hearts break and we got sidetracked or maybe we were just outside of your desire or your will. That you give us the ability like you to see death is not an enemy anymore to be feared but a doorway into the presence of God. God, just help us to have your thoughts in our head. Help us to love what you love and hate what you hate and hold fast to one another. God, help us to be able to experience the power of your Holy Spirit moving and working in our life like maybe we never have. Help us to pray. For the spiritual power in our life. For the spiritual reality. Lord God, be glorified as we look to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.